Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara and I am delighted to tell you that this month we are celebrating our seventh birthday. I have pulled myself away from the jelly and ice cream, just briefly, in order to provide you with some hitherto very rare content that I have hauled out of the archive. Uh, the shows you will be hearing over the next few days were initially recorded as exclusives for our Patreon account over the last two years or so. But, as we don't do those anymore, and enough time has passed on them, we thought now was a great opportunity to bring some of them to the masses. For full information on each programme, be sure to read the accompanying blurb on whatever podcatcher app you use, and of course our standard shows covering all three major promotions in August 2000 will be with you very shortly. Thank you on behalf of all the team for your continued support, and I just know that we're only going to get better and better and better as time goes on. For now though, sit back and enjoy the following bonus content right after the trusty scratch noise. And it is another watch long, and it is of NXT TakeOver London from 2015. Our rotating third for today is Daniel. How the devil are we, Dan? Very well, thank you, Chris. Can I get dibs on the next one, please? And my co-conspirator in all things NXT TakeOvers, and especially, you know, seeing the fact that I don't know if I'll still be doing it in 20 years when it's time to watch these properly, Mr. White, how the devil are we? Mr. Lacey, I'm very good. Um, how, how are you? I am good. You know, you can't complain. I'm watching good wrestling. We will start this, if you are on your machines of choice for watching the network, because we will get into this very much soon, because uh, some of us were there at Wembley for this show, as I scroll through the menus to uh there we go it's working now what was the actual um attendance for this show do we know they claimed around eleven thousand. um having been there i just said that seemed about right okay because i was on the floor by the ring and it was packed down there and all the way to the walls but the thing with wembley arena is it's one of those venues that you can put the walls back and make it bigger or smaller depending yeah. what you're using it for so you can always yeah. make it look jam-packed yeah that's what um the guys at, um progress did for their hello wembley show because i was right at the back um for like the first tier so it mm. looked like it was absolutely rammed but obviously they blacked out the higher row of seats so there's only about 4,000 there. So it actually is very good for NXT to get, you know, proper sellout in Wembley Arena, basically. So that's good. And I'm now going to blame network things because I've just got the whirling wheel of death on the screen. All right. Let's try it through the computer. Chris, yours is uh, white. Yours is still working okay? Mine is still ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. got, it's I've always, got, there's always one. I've got our Lord and Saviour about to address his uh, followers, so. Yes, yep. I'm ready with the now, then, forever. (laughs) I've got the wonderful error message of can't play video right now. This has gone superbly. All right, let's try this this way. Oh, I am playing on the laptop, so we are at the PG Violence 
it is scrolling, 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 and we have fireworks. So, his lordship hunter in the ring, I take it. I am zero forty-seven seconds in. I will get to that point. So we are all synced and three, two, one, play, and we can see his lordship, the Lord and Savior of all things WWE, Triple H in the ring, being loved by actually everyone in the building. Um, I remember it greatly just. Every single one of us was so happy that we are actually getting good wrestling, you know, instead of the usual generic bullshit house shows that we got all the awful Monday Night Raws. Well, do you remember the context of uh, this in terms of main roster timeline? So this was... Oh, wasn't this being broken, wasn't it, by uh, Orton or someone? So, yeah, this was three days after the, the TLC pay-per-view, and which went off the air with Roman Reigns beating Triple H viciously and sending him to hospital with injuries that were, like, so severe that he couldn't... He was in hospital for Raw the following night. Then two days later, he was here, no-selling all everything to, to do that <laughs> little open at the start of the show for NXT. But we all know that it was it was a better reason to do this. Uh, just watching this intro and seeing Dash and Dawson and thinking you've been ruined. But that'll be a, a common trend. I think this, I think we're literally going to see this for every single wrestler that is on this card, apart from maybe one. And I'll let oh, I can think, I can guess of, who that is. I can think of two that I can go. I don't know where you or how you got to that point. Anyway, there's so many. This this this. Uh, this was a wonderful night. I was I was there live as you were, Chris, and uh, it, it was a, one of the best live shows I've ever seen. The atmosphere was amazing, and like everyone on the card was over. All the storylines felt over. Everything felt big, and then you look back at it now and see the the trajectory of the majority of this this lineup, and you just think, what what happened? This can't miss megastars that have fallen to obscurity. Yeah, um, as I said, we won't watch it because obviously it was in on the pre-show and was then shown on the next week's uh, NXT. But even the pre-show, you had the hype bros who even they got over. You had Jordan and Gable who I'd probably say other than Balor and Bailey had the biggest crowd reactions of the night because everyone was doing this to a limited song to Jordan and Gable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Alexa and uh, Murphy, and oh, what was the other guy? Uh, Blake and Murphy, yeah, Blake and Murphy got massive heel heat, and the Vaud villains were massively over at that point as well. So it was just, just everything was so so good. Um, so the other match that was on the pre-show part that I did forget about was we did get Elias Sampson and Lars Sullivan. That was the uh, that was the debut of um, Elias with the guitar. All I remember is after the awesome four-way, I went to the bar, so I didn't see it. <laughs> so here we got Oscar coming out, and another one who uh, has uh, very much fallen by the wayside when you look at. 
the potential she had and the way NXT booked her and fast forward to 2018, the loss of her streak at WrestleMania to, to now. I mean... Oh, it's, it's shocking. Like, it's shocking since what's happened at WrestleMania. Thing, that would have been fine if they'd have done something afterwards. But because they've done absolutely piss all with her since... It's just like, oh yeah, so you were undefeated in all of NXT. You never got to be. You're amazing. Ah, oh, fuck you. Here's James Ellsworth to distract you for 20 seconds, uh, and then yeah. you're going to lose to a Carmella. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, well, even even Charlotte picking up the win at WrestleMania. Like, if that leads to a big thing of like Charlotte breaks undefeated streaks at WrestleMania, and you spend a year building to Charlotte versus Ronda next year. That makes it feel something special. But mm. they've completely botched her this year as well. She lost to Carmella immediately. Mm. Although so I, think, I think she has kind of come back now a little bit. You know, I think her I know. Becky has been pretty awesome. Although that's mainly down to Becky and the crowd basically saying, fuck you, we're not booing, we're not booing her no matter what you want. Yeah, I don't think it's done yeah. Charlotte any favours. I think she might get a touch of the Roman Reigns about her if they're not careful. Yeah, that that is the problem. They've sort of made her the go-to one, which really isn't helping at all. Though there's a to the sort of how Dana still has a job, yet Emma doesn't. Oh, I know. Emma was amazing in this second run in NXT. She was so good. But once they got rid of the bubbles, yep, and made her more serious. I mean. That really didn't help. When they first put her up, they put her with Santino and it was just bubbles and shit. And that was awful, but... Isn't it more injuries and sort of attitude issues rather than just kind of quality of the wrestler? Yeah, I think think the attitude was caused by how they treated her. So they they don't give people a reason to want to be there or want to try this is what you then end up getting. Yeah. But this act, like, you're just seeing the Emma and Dana Brooke entrance right now. And, you know, if they didn't, they put them together for one month just before they were, you know, about to kind of get a little bit of a push. And then Emma gets a back injury and it's just curtains from the both of them, isn't it, really? Pretty much. But that, you know, I'm just getting back to that entrance. That entrance is gold. You know, for the, oh, yeah. as a little ad double act, and it's just a shame that it's just really bad timing. Both of, but I mean, even us, because like at this stage, is something special. Like, and it's one of the things NXT does so well, especially on a takeover. The production values of, and it is largely helped by the fact that they have an hour of TV at full sale a week, and the takeovers are normally in big arenas. But when you get to a takeover, it feels big and it feels special, as opposed to what you see every week, whereas these days Raw and Smackdown and the pay-per-view it's all interchangeable, it's all the same thing but it doesn't help that these days the fucking stages are the same for everything as well so it loses what you used to have was you know, you knew your pay-per-views because they looked different, now everything is basically the same set of Raw and Smackdown every single week so, you know, why treat it any different if it all looks the same well, I treat it differently because you've got an extra two to three hours of uh, wrestling content to consume. That's basically how it is nowadays, rather than, you know, making pay-per-views feel like a different must-see show. It's now just, 
you might get a really great match. But even that this year sort of not been the guarantee that you had, you know, say one or two years ago. Mm. So this is Asuka's second takeover match. She debuted at the takeover before and defeated Dana Brooke. And here she's taking on Emma. And uh, she's not too dominant in the early going, really, which is like interesting when you think back at sort of her two-year run in NXT and the amount of sort of near squashes she had. I know she did have a lot of big competitive matches, but Emma wasn't really near the top of this women's division in NXT, even at this stage. And uh, it's quite a back-and-forth competitive match. As I say that, she gets a lovely submission. Yeah, that was, <laughs> Takes that was a really nice takedown, that was. But it, it was the thing, though, with with this sort of period, like, yes, obviously, you know, we now have Evolution coming this, I think it's next weekend, um, is the, the women's pay-per-view. But at this point, still on the main roster, you're not getting girls given the amount of time that they were here on NXT. It's like on this card, it's a five match card on the main show. Yep. And two of the matches are girls' matches. Yep. Yep. They're yeah, treated the exact same way. Well, it's, it's, it's so almost, it's like a shame that they abolished the kind of one pay per view per brand every month because I think they were starting to put two or three ladies' matches on the same card. But now, because they have to dual brand everything, they have to play the women's tag match, uh, the women's um, SmackDown champions, the War women's champions. So, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, how much, what other matches could they put on and not take away from the Intercontinental, the tag teams, the the United States division, all that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like you always have, you almost have too much, you know, to try and get on a show. Yeah, by the time you've got all the titles defended for across both brands, you've got maybe three three slots left on a pay per view, and unfortunately, the fact they're just not going to be filled by women's matches even at this stage in the game. And this this is interesting because like I remember the night like fairly well despite the many beers, and like I remember thinking just like I was really surprised the amount of selling See, that I- does. Emma's quite dominant in the in this match, I think. Oh, my network has decided to die on me again. Oh, this is gonna be fun. Right, let me close <laughs> it down and start again. Right. Bear with me, chaps. No, I just am assisting on the breath, just doing the whole, you know, controlling heat segment here. Not much kind of happening. No. Um, it's just standard stuff, really. Kind of just hair pulling, tying up against the ropes, corner offense. So if you were, in, if you were missing out on the finish, then we're doing running commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just found it's interesting, like, you, like, 
you just see the difference in the kick to the back. Like they both had the same move, and Asuka's just looks so much more like potent and dangerous compared to Emma's. And although oh, yeah. Emma's, yeah, Emma's fine. I think you know she'd be a decent mid card wrestler if she was around today. But you know nothing compared to to what Asuka's brought to the table so far in this match. Although Asuka has, like, I mean, it's it's more about opportunity than anything, but. Her main roster run never really set the world alight at any stage. Um, yeah, even when she was, you know, being pushed as, as the undefeated star, wasn't it? it? Never really caught a light, did it? No. That's the interesting thing with the transition, as we'll get to probably bring up in every match, the transition of a incredibly over top star within NXT, and there's not many people who who make that transition into the main roster and don't end up losing a tremendous amount of steam and just falling by the wayside to an extent. Decent clothesline. Yep. It's one of those of... It happens to pretty much all of them. You do do wonder... It's when when It's it's trying to load. (laughs) Running commentary (laughs) on Lacey's network. I did wonder whether, you know, eventually when he does, when, you know, Darth McMahon retires, how much more of a chance or leeway will Paul Levesque give his NXT guys compared to what they're doing now? You you like to think that it will, but the path should be clearer. But ultimately, you're always going to have Roman Reigns at the top of the card. And you're always going to have, effectively, Braun Strowman or someone to that effect at the top of the card. And then, I don't know, it it does get crowded, I think, because no one's ever going to be... I mean, even when he's not the champion and he wasn't the champion for a very long time, Roman Reigns just doesn't lose clean very often, if ever. Like, so what, whereabouts are we, boys, on time? Because it's finally loaded up again. Uh, 1450. Bang on. Mm-hmm. So around the 15 minute mark, it would be uh, ideal now. Oh, nice. Lovely drop kick from Asuka there. I also completely forgot that Rich Brennan was on commentary for this show. Obviously, I wouldn't have known that from the time, but he saw Rich Brennan was, he was a really, really good announcer in the early days of NXT. And I mean, did he, did he have like a kind of perm. I kind of. I think he's got quite short hair, actually. I'm kind he's, of. I know, um... I'm getting confused with the ring announcer. Oh, also, I've forgotten the name of the guy that's smacked down now. <laughs> Rich Maloney. Where is he? he? Is he? Where has he gone? Subsequent to. The actors firing up a bit. The, I just remember that everyone was going nuts during this because they just knew that the end was near, <laughs> and Asuka kicking. Like she, oh. you know, pulling balls. That's the but, point. Are we actually going to see any of, of any of you guys in the camera shots here, or are you too far back? And... So I was opposite the hard camera, but I was in the first maybe ten rows of the upper tier, but directly opposite. So as you can see, it's completely blacked out the upper oh, tier. That's a shame. Even though it was completely full. Um, so it was an interesting decision to completely black it out so you can't see it, but I suppose it gives sort of an endless feel to the mm-hmm. arena. But it also looks like there's no one up there, but it was packed. Yeah, I am 
hard cam side by the corner. You see me in Sami Zayn's entrance. Which we um, won't. Which we won't see today. Because it's on the NXT the week after. And I think you can see me a little bit in Finn's entrance, but it's only because I was at the barrier when, when they were doing the entrances. But because I'm the other side, so I'm not on camera. But yeah, because uh, I went with a load of my mates who all bought their tickets separately. So they were all up in the tiered seating and I was down there in the front on my Todd having the world of a time. <laughs> Though I do quite remember fondly uh, pre the going in to Wembley Arena because it was around Christmas time. They had a Christmas market out the front of Wembley that was selling some really, really nice craft ales. <laughs> I had five or six ago. Oh, tarantula. Bloody hell. Or as Rich Brennan called it, the dilemma. Oh, See, there we go. <laughs> There's a branding right there. That suplex. Yep. And Corey Graves was commentating at this stage. Again, I thought we'd have started a bit later in NXT. Well, no, because obviously he was one of the original NXT lot, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. Yeah, he, he did end up going off off the roster fairly early. Yeah, he, he was done. never on a takeover. At the, he was he was done as a wrestler before the time of that the initial takeover, I believe. But I just didn't realise he'd started on commentary so soon. It was him and Neville as tag champs, weren't they, at that point? Yeah. Yeah, because the first takeover, did that have Neville in the main event? Uh, yeah, it was him and Bo Dallas. Remember him? Yes, yes. Oh, my match. God, wow. What, what a throwback that is. Let's think, if you look at who has been NXT champion and look where they are now, You've, there's very few of them that you can say have come out of it amazingly. I was going to say Seth, it, I, which is obvious. He's yeah, you know, Seth is the, well the, big, the big one. Um, KO. Yeah. yeah, I'd say he's so, he's he's done very well, especially considering his his physical sort of stature and body shape on on a Vince McMahon roster. Mm. I think he's he's done well by by those standards. But then you look at Bobby oh, Roode. German beautiful German. Big E hasn't. Obviously, Neville never did. I think did. Big, Big E has done, like, like you you take Big E's career at this stage, like that run with the New Day. I suppose he's made as money a singles, now. But as a singles, I suppose we're not, we're not done yet. And he's already... Achieved a lot. I've, I, I, I'll take Big E as a as a as a minor success. I'd say for the NXT sort of system, even though it's I, not really the I would, takeover I would, era. I was going to say I, I think it's fair to put Big E and Seth in this category because it's not really the same. Like back then, that was a proper developmental yes. brand. This, like, I would say at this point we're watching now, we're into ECW style, kind of like okay, you're bringing up an actual star here, and they. Are ready made to go, yeah. Rather than being having to get a character over and then exposing them, you know. Oh, ref bump! Here we go. Ref oh, bump. Good old fashioned red bump. <laughs> Russo. 
<laughs> NHC does things like this so well. It never feels overdone with with a takeover. There's no, I don't think there's ever been a, a bad takeover show in no, what, no. four years now. There's been a couple of like forgettable ones. Definitely, like, yeah. But, but like during the Bobby Roode style era. But then I even then the they had point. at least one or two really good matches, even if it wasn't all amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. We had the, the tag titles would always like steal the show at that stage when you're DIY or yeah. it's just a, it's always been enough. Well, Asuka's been cool having done nothing. The referee's not happy. So he's the, the, the ref, I can't remember what his name is, but he always looks oh, great. Drake, Drake something. Oh, yeah. there we go. There we go. There's a. The crossface chicken wing. And just look at the fucking the crowd. crowd going yeah. nuts the crowd's going insane. Yeah. Let's go walk in a star, really. Like, they didn't mm. have to do anything with her. Like, they have to tweak the character in any way. Just Emma's tapping, but the ref's distracted by Dana Brooke, who's been ejected from ringside. Even at this stage, like, who, like, you wouldn't have put Dana as someone who'd end up in Titus worldwide. Like, no. they seemed like they were taking her pretty seriously back then. Oh, oh. massive kick in kick. the face oh. and the win. Two, three, uh, it's one of nice opening match. Look at it. Again, how awesome she was, or she is. And then just it's her and the Miz is like the highlight of her stuff at the minute. Is the Mix Max Challenge. <laughs> there you go. So after the, after the match, they obviously turned the lights up a bit, and you can see how full the arena is. Yep. Uh, Wembley Arena is very sort of quite narrow, but very long, and it was just it just seemed like mm. the crowd went on for miles. I did. I remember we we sort of left at, towards the end of the Sami Zayn match, which was after the pay, the takeover had finished. They they, then they did the, the Zane return, and uh, he gave a little. He cut a nice little promo afterwards that wasn't wasn't for TV, about like being back and promising big things for NXT and stuff. And I remember sort of trying to leave the arena, and you just walked for miles, and you were still in it, like still yeah, it, in it, like watching. It was it was pretty amazing. It's one of those it does go on forever, um, and I will be back there very soon. Um, going up for the gig, to, so it'll still be different to see it for a gig instead of a wrestling show. So we've got Johnny Saint being shown here, which, if I remember correctly at the time, was like quite a big deal. He was normally, he'd have been a name that would have been considered to be sort of on the blacklist, as it were, would never have been dropped on WWE programming of any sort. But at this point as well, though, you've got the fact of they'd... Regal would have had yep. something to do with that. Oh, Samoa Joe. Oh, it's my boy. Here's my boy. Fucking love this man. I remember the era of thinking that they were going to bring him in and call him Joey Samoa. And I almost wanted it to happen, like, just for the sheer audacity of it. They were still interchanging everyone's name at this stage. Yeah, it was... It was at this point when there was that rumour going around that AJ was going to turn up as well and they were going to put AJ in NXT. And I was just like... Yeah. I just couldn't imagine if they did that. 
So this is going to be interesting. We've got the NXT Tag Team title match on screen. We've got Dash and Dawson and taking on Enzo and Cass who, with Carmella. I remember this video package so well. Enzo and Cass were so likeable in NXT. It's unbelievable. They've, they, they were modern-day DX. They were just catchphrases. And... Yeah, but you, they felt... They they felt like the journey. Like they by no means did any of them like either of them become good workers. But you you sort of they during this NXT process you saw them go from like day one starters to like competent promos with fully developed characters, mm. like fully homegrown, like a really nice tag unit, and it just felt a bit. They felt like they sort of. The crowds, in a way, because they never won the belts in no. any in any promotion, like or brand rather. And yeah, I don't. They felt like they could have been more than they turned out to be. Well, obviously, <laughs> considering yeah. how they've ended up. Yeah, they probably it probably should have got a tag run with the belts just after they came up because they were never as hot as they were when they were. You know, feuding with the the club with AJ and and Gallows and Anderson, they were red hot. Yeah, they they shit the bed with them, really. Um, but the same can be said for what they've done with Dash and Dawson. I know it's not been helped. Oh, yeah. that, you know, they've there's been injuries there, but they they've Dash been and Dawson are probably the best tag team in wrestling today for that sort of old school. Yeah. Oh yeah, For, well you go. You don't have to go back very long. Where the 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 big internet debate was the young bucks or the young bucks or the revival. Like who's the best tag team in the world? Like they were considered with the, this crowd, like on that level, like as workers, mm-hmm. they had everything. Like the the their takeover matches, like that run they had with the belts, and when they were facing like DIY and teams like that, they were unbelievable. And that, yeah, injuries can be blamed for them, but they're a massive missed opportunity on the main roster as well. Oh my God, Cass's eyes! <laughs> there's, there's so much coke. I was gonna coke. say if it was, if it wasn't, if this was 1998, I would be screaming cokehead. But <laughs> so here we got Enzo, Cass, and Carmella out, and yeah, as as we briefly discussed before we went live with the recording, we've got fired, fired, and. Opening segment of SmackDown 1000 this past week for Carmella. And looking back from here, no one would have ever predicted the outcome for these three individuals. No. Um, you know, there was there was talk going around at the time that, you know, not for, you know, the, the way of how good he was in the ring, but that Enzo was the sort of guy that could get a Shawn Michaels style thing if they ever split these two up and good God, no. <laughs> oh no they, they, they were really big on it weren't they they I thought know. that he was gonna be the fucking next big thing I thought he was gonna end up being a manager for, for Cass and they'd have split Carmella off I thought they were gonna end up that way because I thought Vince would have taken one look at Cass and been very into him. Mm. So that being said, at this point, to think Carmella was 
wasn't even having matches at this point, was she? No, barely. That's very, 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 very rarely. Their cheerleader. So they are so over the how are you doing chance. It's, it's so simple, but it it worked in NXT. And it, and it for a period it did work on the main roster as well. But mm. this is this is one of the few sort of NXT gimmicks that have originated out of NXT that that did get over to an extent on the main roster. Even if it, even if it did have a short run, their sort of transition period in they came out on Raw and they were over and Enzo was over like crowd chanted along with his catchphrases and it worked for a short while. They failed to capitalize on it and we all know how it ended. But this they, just screams this 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 screams modern day New Age outlaws really like the oh guy, yeah oh the yeah guy with the mouthpiece who can't really wrestle a hot tag <laughs> who everyone in the company wants to actually kind of push but actually isn't that good enough to do it and yeah it's to me i, I i'll be honest with you guys i never bought into the enzo and cast hype train i i have a lot of hate for the new age outlaws so i didn't so me comparing to the new age outlaws is not a compliment <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah i was all on board the revive the um well it was still called dash and dawson at this point weren't they for um I believe NXT. so. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was not on board. <laughs> yeah, because there's the big thing all the way through this is which one's Dash, which one's Dawson Johns. Oh, my uh, network has frozen again. Well, hey. <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights of technical problems. <laughs> I think we should now start making a drinking game out of this where every time that would crash you have to do some sort of drink. Oh, good. Though, is there? <laughs> yeah, I was say, uh, my fridge isn't that full. Spell it out for you. These guys are seriously over to this crowd. I know it's NXT and it's a very hardcore base, but they're like absolute heroes to this crowd. Yeah, and, come on, and at this stage, the, the, the well, not the revival, Dash and Dawson, very loud boos. Like it is a hardcore, hardcore crowd, but they're not cheering the heel. Like the, Dash and Dawson are perfect for that, aren't they? They don't play for the cheers at all. Yeah, no. At this, point, at this point, as well, they weren't. They were kind of like transitional kind of belt holders because they weren't as much. You know, Enzo and Cassie are the star attraction, aren't they? They're not Dash and yeah. Dawson, aren't anywhere close to what they come to even when, the, when they take on the American Alpha that's when they kind of really start becoming yeah. a world class team but at this point they're just kind of level with what the Vaud Villains and the but, but yeah. Blake and Murphy sort of level were aren't they? Yeah, they would not long won the belts at this stage I think it, this was their first takeover as defending champs I believe um, and yeah the, they took the tag team. It's to be, yeah, they are so Arn and Tully. Oh, it's yeah, it's uncanny. Yeah, this is the origin of the which one's Dawson, which one's Dash charts this <laughs> night. But the whole of this tour, because obviously this was the first proper UK tour, wasn't it? And this was yes. the last night of it. That, you know, the Gable and Jordan got massive, the which one's Dash, which one's Dawson. You know, which then and then ended up as staples because of how loud and how over we were as a crowd. You know, we 
we were doing traditional UK football style wrestling chants. And I think because of the fact that everyone in there was up for it, yeah, it wasn't your standard or WWE show in the UK where people were taking the kids. No, because that was that was the one thing I did not see near me anyway. Was there was a distinct lack of kids about? It was all twenty somethings that had clearly had a few sherbets on the afternoon. <laughs> That okay. were up for having fun. So the cameras missed Enzo uh, revealing the uh, Union Jack on his costume. There, the crowd went nuts for it, but the camera, the camera missed it, unfortunately. Very one of the very few production errors by. Yep. We've got the oh Enzo Amore chance. Yeah. I mean, wasn't like the American you know, wrestling scene were like flabbergasted at the creativity of the British wrestling chants and were like, this yes. is standard stuff. Yeah. Like, what have you been missing? <laughs> if you're not if you're not, if you're not seen soccer. The the crowd actually got a lot of stick from American fans. Like in some circles. How dare you I, was say, I know I know some certain journalists sort of said that they Brought out the whole they're trying to hijack it, and as I know, we just the only bit that you could say there was a bit of a hijacking was the fact of that we were so up for Jordan and Gable, yeah, that we we made out that they had to be the big thing. That's the thing with NXT crowds, it's a very NXT thing within 2018. They come to the show like wanting to make the show good, there's no attempted hijacking, like when you go to a main roster show not necessarily a UK crowd, any crowd, there's an element of WWE fighting against your wishes, like Daniel Bryan losing to The Miz or like just maybe in some circles the continued presence of Roman Reigns at the top of the card, Becky, um, Braun Strowman's recent heel turn. There's so many aspects where they seem to go against fan. Well, even if it's a minority, it's a very vocal minority of their wishes. Whereas NXT... The fans are sort of just there and present and f- up for the storylines they're presented with. They just go with them. There's a few times I said that you can go, the fans have decided that this this is a guy they want to see getting pushed or guys they want to see getting pushed, you know, a la, as I said, American Alpha or, yeah. you know, Enzo and Cash getting as big as they did, you know, there was there was a lot of that that was made by the fans, but they're a smart wrestling crowd. You know they they have always been very much you know they don't do the smarky thing of cheer the heels for no. the sake of cheering the heels. No, and they'll boo like they'll boo the heels when they are really doing a good job. Yeah, like, and you aren't going to get. Um, people counting down on the clock or just randomly chanting this is awful at random matches are you it's a very mm. like it's a very positive hardcore audience compared to the toxic atmosphere that's sometimes showing up in, in big matches at main, main car shows and that's just a shame you know 
But then that's the same for in all companies, I think, that you get that in a lot of crowds. I don't know why it is, but people just have this thing of wanting to shit over it for no, no apparent reason at times. I just don't understand that attitude, really. If you want to go to a show and you're paying your money to go and see a hobby that you apparently enjoy, I know I'm going to shit all over it. <laughs> the biggest way that you can shit all over something is to not go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just my simple kind of naive attitude. But, you know, apparently, you know, hundreds of people disagree with me in America. So. But, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's quite simple. You know, I I went to the World of Sport tapings. Um, after watching it live, I realised it wasn't for me, so I didn't bother watching it when it started on TV. You didn't watch yeah, it? It was up to then complain about it online. <laughs> no, because the, the thing, I went and I took my little one with me because we got cause it was in Norwich and it was free tickets to go to it. Um, I thought, fuck it, I'll take him, let's go. <laughs> and even he wasn't that interested in it, but that's because he watches NXT. He watches, you know, good wrestling. That he sort of saw it for what it was and went, "This isn't for me. This isn't what I want to watch." And I was like, "That's fine. That's fair enough." Yeah, you know, you know, you know you're in the shitter if you're if a kid's going, "This isn't very good." Oh, there we go. Great cannonball throw there by uh, Cass with Enzo. This thing, and he's seven. <laughs> he, he really should be target market for that shit, but yeah, not not for us. Oh, and my network has died again. This is. Are you? Well, did you just see the Enzo toss, Chris? No, it froze before that. Oh, that's probably the best spot of the whole match. I, I just wanted. I just. I don't know. I'm not trying to make a joke here. This is a genuine, true statement. I've just heard Byron Saxton for the first time on this show. Is he, has he been on the commentary the whole time? Probably. Wow. <laughs> we could just been tuning him out. <laughs> well, is this, is this the birthplace of Shalab Saxton? Yeah, it is. Also, you've also just missed that Enzo nearly getting garroted on the bottom rope. Which uh, <laughs> we saw more than more than where. Just this and, and now you wonder why we all laughed hysterically when we got told that he was nearly going to get a Shawn Michaels push. <laughs> all right. So, no, it works back, but it has just jumped a bit. I'm at 40 minutes. Where are we all at? You're 40 seconds ahead. Mm-hmm. No, right. we're just about to get in some good old fashioned, you know, oh, old oh. school. Working over the baby face, working a body part, quick tags, what we love to see. Proper tag team wrestling. The sort of thing that, you know, I used to love watching old school WCW for. But the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those that's going to be like, oh, Cornette's amazing, Cornette's amazing. But when he was watching the DIY revival matches and he was saying simple things like just working a hold... And, you know, building heat on a baby face is a lost art. It really mm. is. If you watch main, the main roster stuff, you don't see any of that really in, in matches. It's all very much spot to spot to spot to spot. 
I don't yeah, I don't think it's anybody who's got it as well as the revival and Dash and Dawson have it. It's when they do it brilliantly and they've got and you've got a face that actually is a credible face as well. Like I don't mm. think they could they couldn't do this, I don't think, with someone like a team like the bar. Because as good as the bar are, they just don't have that sympathy factor. But if you if they were doing this with Xavier Woods or Kofi or or obviously later down in NXT with Gargano and Chad Gable, then it's just magic, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Do yeah. it's one that gets me. So I I don't get and see how the bar have got to the point where they are where they have no character. They just <laughs> don't seem to do anything on the main roster at all. The uh, big show heel turn not doing it for you. <laughs> it wouldn't be a SmackDown Super Show without paying <laughs> tribute to the big show's face turn and heel turns. You know, <laughs> by by making everyone just randomly switch between the two just for shits and giggles. You know, I'm if surprised. You... It, I'm surprised you didn't do it on War One Thousand as well. I mean, come on, it's part of the it's part of the staple. <laughs> You bring back a legend, you have a big match, you turn big show. That should be the running order. So if you put yourself back into the mind of yourself watching the show in December 2015, I was like a thousand percent certain that we were going to see a title change in this match. Yep. Like, I thought there was no question. I was so stunned when the revival retains, which obviously with the benefit of the higher side was entirely the right decision when you look at what they did with the, the NXT tag belts and the, the quality of work you have in Enzo and Cass and and well quality of human being is that too harsh? <laughs> but that was, no, that was not a bit of this. When we were getting on the, the train back after the show, we like me and all my mates like, really? Of all the things they didn't, you know, Give that so someone's like it's gonna be a massive oh, pop. Awesome. You know, as I said, if if they had have won it, could you imagine the noise that would yeah. have yeah. come out? But in the long run, it worked oh. for them not giving it to them. That is one of the rarest spots in the world. Like actually a ref calling out a team and go, No, you're not the legal man, get out the ring. Do I do love a good uh, bit of rules being kept? You know, if rules are there for a reason, if we didn't follow them, there would be no wrestling. <laughs> well, I don't know. You get DDT. Are... D- DDT. Yeah, DDT in Japan. If if you ever want to watch weird anarchic wrestling, that's that's the show you watch. I, I don't have, have time for any more promotions at the minute. I've got, I've got, well, NXT, I've got NXT. I've got two hundred five live. I've got Tech Progress. Test. I've got two men. <laughs> Is there one? Well, one of the matches saw Kurobushi versus a guy dressed up as Godzilla fighting on boats. <laughs> and... I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be kind here, but he's had a big hot tag. And he's always done is do right hands, elbow, right hand, elbow, corner, and then a botch side slam. <laughs> yes. So 
And is and yeah, sorry, I can't get on board. Oh, with the that was lovely. That niche up there. Yeah. yeah. Cass is. You yeah, can sell, so, I, I wonder he can, He's a good seller, but as in terms of an actual wrestler, and it's. Well, at this stage, I thought he had like, not like, world champ potential, but like. <laughs> I thought he was all right. I didn't think he was truly terrible. And then his run this year, the work, oh. the matches with Daniel Bryan were just truly some of the worst matches I've seen. They were so <laughs> bad. And like that's with Daniel Bryan. Like, yeah, I don't know whether he. I, I didn't bother watching it. Thankfully, I've, yeah, like, I've not. I've not seen either match. I must have met. You, you didn't miss a thing. Like his work since he came back from injury the night after Mania. Really, really bad by his standards. Like, dropped a level. Sorry, I'm just laughing at Enzo desperately trying to get in the ring to help and just getting <laughs> close like that. I feel like Cass could just reach the ropes with where he is as well. He's not, he's not, he's not in the middle enough. Like, he just puts his arm out. He's, he's there. Instead, he's you punching himself so. in the head. <laughs> Remember when he was in the Fatal 4-Way for the, for the Universal title? The night Kevin Owens won the belt, yeah. First eliminated. <laughs> but they thought he was going to be the big thing. He like That's what I mean. At that stage, he wasn't terrible. Like, he wasn't. He might not have been good, but he wasn't terrible. But this year, he was actively bad. This shows you what motivation kind of yeah. does, you know. Oh, and so... I was so sure. There's there's one near fall in this match that I was like, that's it. Two. It wasn't this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that little roll up from Cass, but there is one. Well, that was bad. <laughs> but oh, is it, it, is, it, was, it might be. I think the ref gets pulled out. Is it? If... Yes, yeah, the rocket launcher. There we go. The yeah. yeah, it was that. Oh. I think. Yeah, I think that's that was the. Yeah, for you're talking about there. That was yeah. In the live crowd, I did not see him approaching to pull Enzo off the cover at all. Yeah, it was but... one of those because where from where I was, the other side, you couldn't see him come across. But this this finish that we get here is just fucking beautiful. The mega. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> that is so good. It, that was the thing is that, that as an ending of a match was like I can do these guys winning. See, in fact, you know the we, people we thought were going to win didn't win, but we saw an amazing finish. Yeah, you don't have to give the fans a baby face, baby face victory in every match. Like the heels can win. There's a way to pull that off without pissing your audience off, and that's it. Like NXT has always done it. Yeah, when was that? I don't think there's ever been a, a finish that everyone's just gone, sod this. This is, you know, this is a terrible decision that's just not no. been done for, you know, storyline progression reasons. This has been done to swerve people. That being said, they do have the luxury of, like, when it's time to call someone out, or call someone up, sorry, they lose their belt and they're gone. Like, if you had the same... 20 guys on a roster for a year then that's where it gets difficult but boom I just finished seeing the finish again awesome stuff yeah lovely but that, that's the one thing is like 
there's there's certain guys you look at and go, you should have just stayed in NXT and just been, you know, the clever guy's guy of choice. If it wasn't so dark, you could probably see me about now. I'm in that corner. But it's... It's one of those of so many guys have been ruined oh, yeah. with with their go, going up. You know, we've just seen it there with Dash and Dawson. As we said earlier, it would have been awesome if they had have kept injury free. But you know, they clearly had injuries that caused them to you know lose any sort of momentum that they've had. Mm. But. It's one of those things, though. Even if they were injury-free, there's no guarantees. Like another thing, I'd I'd sort of put against them on the main roster is they're very obviously heels, uh, mm. but their height does make it difficult. Like if you've got a really really tall babyface tag team, not even really tall, just main roster WWE Vince McMahon tall, like. He is not the type of person who's going to have these heels that in the revival like dominate that team. Like mm. that, that does work against them. Plus the injuries. But then, I, like you say, injuries and height. Well, I say injuries and height. You look at the authors of pain. I'm not putting them anywhere near it on the level of the revival in terms of worker or anything like that. They were called up. They're massive guys. Great look. Nice little character going on with Paul Ellerin, and they'd improved a lot. Like with like when you look at when they debuted and attacked American Alpha to their title reign, some of the matches they had, all right, they were in there with great workers, but they were genuinely good by the end of that NXT run. Called yeah. up and their main event now, as in not top of the card, as in WWE main event. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know net. what it is. Like, there just seems to be something in the way. Well, it's just, I think he's just, he's in his, it is his mood of, I don't like tag teams. So I'm not going to push them unless they're two singles guys that are joined up, like the Shield and Dogs of War. So, so I also teams... think sometimes is it just a case of even though they are Vince's creation in a way because you know they are products of the Fed because they're not his, they seem to you know shit on it a bit. But again, like there's always, there's always, uh, it could be an exception to the rule. But the last two years of AJ Styles, that's definitely not his. And I mean, pay per view, like AJ has normally has a, a terrible finish on pay per view, but ultimately, like he's had an incredibly long run as WWE champion. That is, and that's Vince McMahon can lay, lay no claim to anything of AJ Styles. So mm. there's always. Probably the exception to the rule is AJ, but I don't know. It's difficult. Oh, I forgot this match was on this card. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, so the match that Dan's referring to, we're getting a nice little montage here building up Baron Corbin and Apollo Crews. Yeah, this, this was uh, definitely the time that I went to the bar. I think I went to the bar twice during this match. Because <laughs> you know, I knew that afterwards was going to be a good match. Because I knew, yeah, that, you know, there was only the two title matches posted, so I didn't want to go to the bar during those. So I, know, I kept, went, and got one, came back, watched a bit of this, and went, "I'll go and uh, stock up." <laughs> God, you, want to, you want to talk about a guy who got called up way too soon? 
Oh, Baron Corbin. No, I was talking about Apollo Crews. Baron Corbin's like has done okay for himself, considering like how much talent he has. Compared I think to he's people. regressed though. On what, the main roster, in terms of sort of match quality, I like he. He seemed like he was getting somewhere in NXT. Maybe it's just the main roster isn't sort of the play. I don't know. But yeah. then at least, at least in the main roster, he's shown character, which he never did in NXT. By character, are you referring to a failed Money in the Bank cash in on Jinder Mahal? No, I was going. <laughs> oh, you know this. Uh, God. Corporal or you know, uh, policeman thing. You know, at, least, at least he's trying something. There we go. We can see the full extent of the crowd with the yep. lights being fully shown there. But yeah, no, I, I never got the, the Baron Corbin thing. Um, Great theme music. Bye. Oh, yeah. Amazing theme music. Even they, Cruz is good theme music, but. I mean, talk about vanilla. Like, what a yeah. vanilla character. Like See, I, lo- I remember- he just looks like Bobby Lashley. That's a guess game up It's the thing. I remember Vince, hearing Vince, like, loads of that stuff. Bobby Lashley is available, don't you? Really? Oh, well, well that's, uh, there's no really need for him. There really is it. <laughs> but that's the thing. With, with Cruz, obviously, he was Uha Nation. And that... Uh, all the people that I knew that watched like loads of indie stuff were always going on about him being this amazing yeah. guy. And as soon as he turned up here, I was just like, I don't get why everyone was seeing in him. Yes, he can do some flips and he does a few flip de doos and oh look, he can do a standing shooting star press. So you're athletic, but you've got no charisma and you're pretty boring. Yeah, it's just the uh, big fish and small pond syndrome a little bit. And ironically, this is probably the only time that he probably could really stand out in NXT because if he was around now with, you know, Undisputed Era, you've got monsters like Sullivan, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, Alistair you Black, all these, all these guys, babies. yeah. Ricochet. He's just got, he wouldn't have a hope in hell with this current NXT roster. Though, and, he's he really... a, and he's a body guy as well. Like, he, like, I know he's not tall, but he's shredded. Like, he's massive. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, aesthetically, you'd think he would be like what they're looking for. Yeah. There's no pattern to the, the failure to transition to main roster from NXT, really. There's no pattern at all. But, apart from that it's fairly unsuccessful. Say so we'll we'll talk about it in the main event of two of the guys that surprisingly the one that you think would have got over didn't. Where the one that you thought well Vince isn't going to like him gets yeah. you we'll more properly. We'll get, yeah, we'll get into that in the main event. I think. But yeah, it, it's one of those of. I don't know whether it's the fact that Vince is senile, the fact that Vince has just been around <laughs> too long, or if it's that he just, he just still is living in the eighties. I don't think he's living the. I think I think he does get a lot of flack, but I just I just think half the battle is just that there's so many brilliant wrestlers in the in the company at the minute that 
like I, I just think it's sometimes it's, it is impossible to keep them all firing on all cylinders. But yeah, it's, you just look at like how far the majority of them have fallen, then there is something happening. But and also the part of it is that you've constantly got guys getting called up, but you don't have a lot of people actually going either. So you're just filling up more roster spots with even more talented guys, and you end up with with people like Rusev, with people like Dean Ambrose, who are still really talented wrestlers like Cesaro and Sheamus, who are incredibly talented, and they've obviously have got a lot of bank for the company, but they haven't gone away, so they still yeah, need to get pushed. You know, yeah, you look at the Attitude Era, and, and you look at what the card was in 97, and you look at what the card was in 2000, and it's completely different. So guys like Balor and, and all, the, all the guys that we're going to talk about later just haven't had the chance to, to kind of, you know, take those spots. Mm, I, I suppose it doesn't help that there isn't a WCW or an ECW these days for them to go and work in for a year or two. And then have the oh fuck me they're back thing. Um, obviously, it would never happen because Vince wouldn't do it. But having a working relationship with another company, <laughs> where he could send people off just for six months, a year, or whatever. So we like just we do in ECW though, you know that sort of thing of. I've got nothing for you. Go down there. Go and make yourself. We just missed the uh, probably the highlight of this match. Baron Corbin screaming at Apollo Crews. Go back to Ring of Honor. <laughs> Apollo <laughs> Crews, who, who wrestled the grand total zero times. <laughs> Ring of Honor. <laughs> See, but, even then, know. that's a great example of what like NXT you know, can do. You know? Yeah, just, I remember like, looking at my phone after this match and like seeing the internet laughing at Go Back to Ring of Honor, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> I missed, <laughs> I missed out." <laughs> it would have been impressive though if you could hear that. <laughs> yeah, from all the way back where you were sitting. But it, it's one of those of you watch these sort of even this match and go. This is so much better than any of these two have done since this. Oh, yeah. Because you know, is Crew still there? I take it he's what with Titus yeah. still. Yeah, yeah, he's still knocking about in the the very basement of Raw. Yeah. He's feuding with Elias, I think, at the minute, isn't he? Yeah. We've got the your shit and you know you are chance at Baron Corbin here. <laughs> Again, wonderfully English. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait till we get the next match. There's some crackers in that one. I forgot Corbin's hair. Like I, I know he's only recently committed to the baldness, but I just forgot how ridiculous it looks. I know it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> the thing is, that if you if you're receding like that, just just take the chop. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no other way. You've got to go. There's no shame in it either. You've just got to, you've got to commit to it, and it's fine. Exactly. So 
there's a losing battle you're fighting there. Right, so so I'm doing a Jim Cornette style move count on uh, Corbin here, and I do believe he's somehow only done two moves, which are kicks and punches so far, well, and, and, a cu- in. <laughs> and a couple of uh, a couple of corner slashes, you know, which are, that's proper kind of like, you know. There's at least one knee strike. Yeah, we're on. Yeah, we're on uh, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna incorporate strikes and kicks as the same as the same thing because otherwise it's just like I'm getting yeah. into the minutia. <laughs> oh. oh, come on, come come on! Here we go. Here we here. go. No, oh, you got counted. <laughs> 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 oh, the so sound. even this, you can, you can the, the ground is, is not dead. Like. It's a testament to NXT and to like the UK fans, but you could put this this takeover in front of any NXT crowd. You're going to get maybe less creativity with a chance, but still probably the volume. I'm still like surprised that they haven't done a big big show. Oh, I know. Like considering how that like, you're guaranteed a hot crowd, you're guaranteed a sellout. So, did you read the uh, thing that? Uh, Trips was saying when he was last over for that press conference where basically said that even though everyone thinks that SummerSlam 92 was a massive success, it wasn't, it didn't make them any money and it wasn't a success. So they sold over a million pounds worth of merchandise in 1992. They sold out legitimately. 80,000 tickets, which was bigger than any show in the States, yet not it, it wasn't a success. How, how'd you work that one out? Even this show, how could you not call this show? Like, like really, what's the risk in bringing, like, uh, I don't know, backlash to mm. the O2? Like, like it, it would sell out. You would sell more tickets to Backlash at the O2 than you will to like any fifteen thousand seat arena that gets like a, an annual pay per view and oh, Baron Corbin box. Baron Corbin box. There we go. Done. <laughs> but this to me, if like if you say yeah, you, know, you give us one of the the more impressive of pay per views, so you know, like Money in the Bank or something like that. It would legitimately sell out the O2 within the hour. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I am like very like I don't watch Raw. I don't watch SmackDown. Listen to what what podcasts that talk about them, but I don't really keep up with the modern day product. But if there was a pay per view in in the UK, I'd be like all over tickets. Like, there's no way I wouldn't go. Like. Yeah, and that's the thing. You you could quite easily do a two week tour with that. You come over, you do the raw beforehand, do the pay per view, you do the raw after. They'd make so much fucking money in that space of two weeks because you've got fans that are quite happy to put their hands in a pocket and spend money. Um. It was really surprising when they had the NXT UK tapings in Norwich that the only thing they had merch-wise was a generic NXT UK shirt. 
because I'd have thought if they'd have had more merch, they'd have made a load of more money. But that's it. Even that that sold out in less than an hour for both oh, yeah. days. I went to that, and you know, in in the shitty little open or epic in Norwich, but sold out instantly. You know, and it was quite funny, sort of watching trips, trying to understand the Alan Partridge references. Oh, yes. Because, uh, yeah, we were pretty much ringside for that one. You can actually see, Will, in the footage. It does help that he was wearing his we, luminous Norwich. I was very much on camera in that one. I was thinking I was the second row opposite the hard cam. Mm. Well, we were, we were I, on I the couldn't have been far from you at all. <laughs> well, we were on the aisle way, um, and because every time anyone was coming down, Will went up on my shoulder because he was only like five at the time and he was wearing a Norwich training top, which was purple and lime green at the time. <laughs> so it was one of those of when we were watching it back going, there you are. <laughs> but nice, nice, they're, clearly, uh... they're clearly wanting to do more over here because obviously they're doing the whole... NXT UK thing, but it is always mixed messages. I don't think we'll ever get a mania, just basically because no, no. they're not going to risk a March April time in the UK weather wise to do it in an open stadium. But you could quite easily do SummerSlam in Wembley, and you would legit get 90,000 in there. The Rumble. Mm. Can you imagine a London Rumble? Oh, end of days. days. Say what we want about Corbin. I know that move is quite divisive, but I think that's a pretty cool finish. It works for his size. It yeah. works for him. You know, it, on the wrong person, that's a shit finish and looks stupid. I like the... I, well, I don't mean... I don't wish to go with Michael Cole on us here but I like the out of nowhere aspect like you can it just you can just hit it out mm. in a flash which I think is always a massive bonus big slams good times pretty poor boy match though in fairness like... oh yeah that that was that was pretty dross <laughs> yeah like so that's a, that's that a was... two star sort of level of match, but on the current standing of what Takeover is, it's that's a that's a dud in most circles, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. But that's definitely that was definitely the uh, bar and loo break. So we've got the final two matches of the night: the NXT Women's Championship and the NXT Championship. I remember yeah. thinking. Uh, Nia, Nia was really new at this stage. Really new. It was one of those of, I looked at her before going into this and going, the only reason you're getting a push is because of who your family is. Yeah, I didn't see anything in her at all. So I've just looked it up. She debuted in NXT TV on the 14th of October. And this was the 16th of December. 
So it was her first takeover event and uh, she'd barely been in on NXT TV by this stage. Remember when she was paired up with Eva Marie? Oh, God, yeah. Eva Marie, there's there's someone that was brought in for for one thing and then forced into trying to wrestle. You because we all know she was only ever brought in because uh, they wanted something for Total Divas. What was the what? They just wanted someone to be another. Well, they because they hired her and JoJo at the same time because the whole point was that they. We're going to be from Total Divas and then work into being wrestlers and in the ring and stuff. Right. And yeah, JoJo ended up being a, an announcer and we had uh, the wonders of uh, Eva Marie. This... But yeah, if you watch that first first season of Total Divas, it is quite funny. With uh, what what they were trying to do with them, just seen the finish of the Sami Zayn returning package, and again another guy who was just over as fuck as a babyface. Oh my god, yeah, what a megastar he should have been, like, and that like I never thought they could like take the interest out of a. And Owen's insane match, but like it was so overdone by the end. But that being said, when they turned Zane and put them together as a, a heel duo, that was also excellent. They were both so good. Mm. I feel like they could both come back to like the best days could be ahead of both of them still by the time they're back from their respective injury layoffs. Yeah, it's definitely one of those of. You could do a lot with both of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, this is... <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> That's all you need. You don't need to just have, like, a big blow-off. All you need to do is have one killer face off against another big, you know, potential killer, and it's just, you know, just they... automatic crowd pop, you know? They did that purely for the the speculation of the title change in this match that Naya would win the belt and Asuka would go for for the Mania takeover. Though mm. I just remember this the noise once Bailey comes out. Oh my god! Ridiculous. Yeah, Bailey is an unbelievable miss. This character was just perfect for this era of like women's wrestling and her story and the story you could tell with her and like the connection with the crowd. This video package, like right now, she's reading a letter that she wrote about wanting to be a wrestler when she grows up. Though she is one of those of she is the true sort of thing of NXT. The same with in a way, Alexa as well, where they came in with awful gimmicks that we all thought was never going to work, but they then found 
their niche and made it work got that- massive and then just it just didn't translate to to the main roster I do think before that- after the the two takeover matches with Sasha just redo that but I do think it's it's harsh on the gimmick to an extent to say it didn't work because it I, I almost feel like it did like she was over for the period and then the 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 turning point was the uh her losing the belt to Alexa in about 4 minutes in a was it a kendo stick match in her hometown where she just got squashed without without reason and like uh, the, the the wonderful oh you're in your house where you live you must lose yeah and yeah, she was completely squashed by Alexa Bliss and it I remember that like that felt like a very deliberate undercutting of any potential chance Bailey had of fulfilling her like potential popularity like it felt like a deliberate spiting of that character Mm. which I'm sure isn't the case there must have been a, a some sort of logic behind it but must they probably thought like, okay we're gonna have to build it back up to get this Bailey story done properly and the only way we're going to do that is just to make it hit rock bottom but the problem is again like any, I, I'm for any decision as long as you can follow up on it and make it work I yeah, just, they just never got close to doing anything with her after that loss. The whole like they basically like for this whole year has been one big long tease of a Sasha Bailey feud. And it's like, uh, when did we pull the trigger on this thing? And uh, when and they did half pull the trigger, it was Bailey that seemed like she had turned, and then they kind of went back on that again, like and trying to do Team Hell No Mark Two, and it just never worked. Yeah. And, then it's sort of like, I, I get the feeling they're trying to do... Oh, here we go. So how big was this crowd pop then, in comparison to what other shows that you've been to? Bailey this... was as over as I've ever seen anyone, I think. This, I think Finn, for like overreactions sort of during the match, but Bailey got the biggest pop of coming out. And the thing is, I've done a few roars. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard Cena reactions. Um, I was at the one where Cena and um, Sean went for the hour, and Sean got a massive reaction as he came out. The the only reaction I can remember that compared to this was that I went to a Raw in Manchester about three years ago. It probably mm. was the November before this, and the Undertaker was like not known to even be in the country. And he came out as a surprise, like like he was in the main event. He didn't wrestle, obviously, but uh, mm. like like no one knew he was going to be there. And the crowd went like it lost it, lost their shit for lack of a better word. But that was like a surprise Undertaker appearance in a UK crowd. Like that's yeah, a very yeah. unique set of circumstances. In terms of like a, an announced wrestler coming out for a match, I've not seen anyone as over as Bailey, but obviously. I mean, when I was a kid, I went to a pay-per-view that was Rock and Austin in Manchester. So if I could remember that vividly enough, I'm sure it would compare to the Bailey pop, but I can't. Yeah, I said I, I didn't do 
any sort of attitude era stuff. I I would imagine Austin's pop in the attitude era or even DX's pop in the attitude era would have been fucking huge. But oh. yeah, it has to be said Bailey's is the biggest reaction I've I've heard in person. And to be fair, at this point, it is well deserved. Oh yeah, like, as much as we you know moan about what they've done since you got called up. I mean, I don't think they've told a better woman's kind of babyface story than her winning that belt in Brooklyn and then defending it against Sasha. With the Iron Maiden match, was it called the The Iron Iron Maiden? Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) But... Oh, my. It's just one of those of... You just think what what it could have been and this simple is... storytelling because this is all this was this is the whole of bailey's sort of rise to where she got was really simple storytelling you know a, a baby face that people got behind that could quite easily get sympathy when getting beat down and, and overcoming the, the odds. And now, yeah, even this match, you know, okay, you've beaten the the previous champion and then in the rematch, and now you've got to beat a monster. Here we go. Here's a Hey Bailey chance. Though it's the fact that the smile on her face was so sort of, <laughs> yeah, Fuck. we've got ah, this. Shucks. It felt real. Like, yeah. it sounds so bit smarky, but like, I know it's the, like the video package of like her like writing the letter as a kid about dreaming about being a wrestler and like I don't know it's it's a very NXT experience in like the hardcore fans sort of but it really you feel this sort of real connection with Bailey and that character at this stage mm. yeah I guess it's like if like Chris you'll know this when you go to a, a big like a band that's come up and they're and like all this crowd start singing onto their songs and suddenly they start corpsing because they're like oh god like this is actually like a huge crowd sing along with me this is, yeah. it must be like similar to what she's feeling because this is her a dream and you've got 11,000 people basically singing her name it must mm. be like awesome it's like uh, the one sort of music one that I would put that to was uh, when Evil Scarecrow were on the main stage of Bloodstock because they'd, they'd been one <laughs> okay. of these bands. Well, these are one of these bands that were really quite small and only did like the small tent and did little little indie tents and stuff. And they finally just put them on the main stage because the tents were always so full. And you've got all like 30,000 people at Bloodstock all at the main stage, all singing along, doing all the silly shit, and you just see them just lose it and go. We we have office jobs during the week. We do this for fun at weekends, and this is amazing. Yeah, you know, it's that sort of just knowing that you've got to that point. Yeah, you know, it, it's this, but you know, just knowing that you've got everyone in the palm of your hand and just yeah. they are willing for you. I I really hope that like. Like going just in general here, wrestling is such a shit job. Like if you're you know grinding it out on the indies and stuff like that. So 
I really hope that when people like Bailey get these moments where like literally everyone is there to see her and they love her, that she is worth it for her. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, it does yeah. make me happy. Like that, that little like bashful smile that she does is, is, you know, glorious. If you're watching it as a, as a, you're not like a hardened, like, you know, proper cynical wrestling fan. You're just watching it because you like it. And that's really cool to see, you know? Yeah. But it's that thing of, I think NXT as a whole is very much for for the people that are really into wrestling. They're not there for it to be sports entertained. They want to see wrestling. And oh yeah, that's I, that's the one thing that we've always got with NXT, and I think that's why we can watch things like this and reminisce on that. And we are then also so disappointed and despondent when we see where these guys are now you know in this match yeah Nia's done all right for herself but the only reason that is is because I hate to say it she's a big loss oh here we go and as (laughs) such you know it's an easy thing to go up to the main roster with because you can always have the big monster heel and when she first turned up, that's what she was. I would like to see her, like, objectively, I would really like to see her in a match with someone like Viper. Just to kind mm. of see, yeah. okay, where are you in terms of ability? Because there's no one in the company like her. No. She, she is not like most girls. So <laughs> see where she is oh, in terms of relation to, <laughs> you know, there's another one that's kind of, you know, had a little runny run with a belt and now it's just doing absolutely nothing, you know. That's just the way it thing, isn't it? Like, mm. it's not just NXT, you know, with all of the girls in the minute are basically NXT callers because they had no women that could actually go before 2014, as we know. Um, so it's just one of those things where it seems that like only two, maybe three women's feuds happened at one time. And if you're not in the belt picture, then... You know, sorry, we're just gonna have to put you in a tag match with the Riot Squad. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but you're saying you say the likes of say a Viper or something like that. If, if going back a few years now, but like a Bull Nakano or a Bertha Fay or something like that, just have a proper Huss match, but with the, with the girls. Yeah, I would. I would really like to see more kind of Huss women in the company but i just don't know whether they kind of like cynically go okay naya's our big girl we can't really bring any more through because that's just you know taking up her spot i don't know but i would like to see more of them in there i don't want big for big sake i think i think that's a dangerous game Mm. to play i think like viper would obviously be a, a, a fine acquisition for them really and she was in the may young classic wasn't she yeah, yeah, um, but also if you look at someone, sort of, you don't have to go large as in that sort of style, but you could get someone like Alpha Female who's like Tonk and you know ripped and muscly against her. Oof. So same sort of thing of you know the larger girl, but in a different way because you, know, you know built it has ripped. to be said. Yeah, you know, Bailey, Charlotte, Alexa, Mickey, 
you know, they're toned, but they but none of them are like proper ripped or like, you know, they're not big girls that are overtrained. Yeah. So you don't have that visual difference. Cause that's the thing, you look at the guys, you know, you've got your big lads like the big show, you've got uh, oh, a Mark geez, Henry, you've I... got but then you've also got your ripped guys that are all muscle. So just having that visually could make things look better. Oh, the nonchalant cover there. So that's what you do to kind of like that. That is simple. Nia Jax was here with three Samoan drops, a, a proper push-up Samoan drop, and a leg drop, and Bay still kicks out. Yeah. That's how you build sympathy, and that's how you build a resilient babyface, isn't it? Really. This is what NXT does so well: storytelling, consistency within their storytelling. Although saying that, Roman Reigns could do that against Braun Strowman, everyone would hate it. So I guess you need to have some <laughs> kind of uh, goodwill before you start doing that. But you... The thing is, though, it's... With with the Roman thing, we can go back a few years when everyone wanted him to win the Rumble and they didn't do it and they gave it to Wharton. You know, it's... The, the problem is we we have decided or as fan group we decide who we like and who we want but it's not our decision that's the problem and and I hate to say it we are in a generation where due to technology that we can all voice our opinions and all sort of join into giant things where we can all sprout off what we want to do and what we feel so you know if we don't like what we've been given we have a massive open forum to bitch about it whereas more than ever wrestling and good wrestling is so accessible and there's so much of it like I just think the frustrations blow over because Mm. Dan, you said it earlier, like how many great wrestlers do they have on the roster? But how many great matches and great feuds do you get out That's of those? That's the thing, wrestlers? I think. That's like, the thing. Like, matches wise, it's kind of unforgivable, like how many, like, like I, I ask you to count how many kind of four and a half star, if we're doing star ratings or matches that you will go back and watch for fun, would you go back and watch this this year? They're all I, in NXT, aren't they? Exactly. It's like, even AJ's been misfiring this year comparatively. You know, really the only guy I want to go back and watch this year is Seth Rollins. And even then, I don't think he's been in a match of the year candidate. No. So the, only, the only match that I actually watched again from Mania this year was the Trips, Steph, Ronda angle match again. That was great. That was great. But it's the thing, even even Mania didn't have any matches that made me go, oh, I'll go and watch that again. One of the unforgivable ones for me is the AJ Nakamura feud, and it's now spilling into the AJ Samoa Joe feud. Like, the... oh, don't hate on Samoa Joe AJ, Chris. Come on. The, I'm <laughs> sick. Of, I'm sick of terrible finishes. I'm sick yeah, of true. it. Yeah, true. It's so undermining. How many great wrestling matches do you know that have 
crap finishes. Like not none, the, really. Well, none. And yeah. like the, the whole AJ Nakamura feud, what they have four or five pay per view matches. Yeah. How many yeah. of them had a clean finish? Probably the what? first one. Yeah, first one. Then you had the heel turn. When we had about four months of nut shots and DQs and double count outs, and it's just a mess. It undercuts like it undercuts the performer. Mm. Mm. There, there's a lot of things that you could say the same for all the last few years. Like we're not talking about this match here, but that like Bailey has made Nia Jax look like an absolute killer in this match. It's, it's a been... hard match to talk about, isn't it? Because you, we've got a very slow, plodding, methodical working over of Bailey with lots of holds and lots of power moves from Nia, but Bailey sort of counters with a very long, protracted submission intermittently. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's basically, like I've said it earlier, the story of this match is that Nia hits Bailey with everything. I just can't pin her. But Bailey just holds on and gets that one long submission because we all know that she will be able to do the Bailey to Bailey on this one. So, like, how looks that crap reaction to me? <laughs> yeah, it's stand up. What was it? Stand up if you love Bailey. Yeah, that was going around. You know, the fact that we all thought that she was about to get it, so we we're like, yeah. And... I was kind of like that. That was not obviously not the same version, but I was like a little bit with the um, Volta Tyler Bate match. That was a progress. Like, if you can get a believable baby face, like fighting out of a submission hold, and then all of a sudden go, nope, you still in it. It's a, yeah. you know, it's a brilliant kind of bait and switch go. crowd. Baby's reaction. got it again. But it's it's the thing. It's like we we say it a lot that we all think that it can't be that difficult to pull a you know, good story in wrestling because a lot of the best stuff is really blatantly obvious and simple, you know, gives them a reason that they don't like each other and make the characters believable. But, you know, it seems to be a, a lost art. Well, to the people who are in the WWE offices, not the NXT offices, obviously. You know, like we're probably not going to talk about it, but like you just have to look at what they've done this year with Gargano and they just go, well, this is a whole year long storyline with one van. There we go. And there's a tap to the win. And And the crowd goes wild. Yeah, the the crowd are going banana as. uh... Pat Patterson would say. And I was tempted to do a Jim Ross style commentary there, but I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> there I am. You can see me in my blue hat oh. going towards the front. Oh, Massive yeah. hair blue and a hat, hat on. Got I saw you. So, yeah, it was one of those of uh, that was where I was sitting. Went up, went to the front to cheer on Bailey's wonderful victory. But yeah, it was it was a really really good match. Um, so this is this simple effective storytelling in say, a yeah. believable match with a believable way of doing it. You know, that match was as simple a match as you could ever see. It's probably one of the simplest matches in Takeover history, 
but it also got a sensational reaction because of the characters, because of the storytelling. You don't yeah. NXT isn't it, even though it's a very hardcore product, it is not just spot, 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 spot. It's storytelling is the emphasis and it's it's what is most compelling even for the hardcore fan. There's great wrestling everywhere. There's great spots everywhere. We live in like obviously not vines so much now, but it's a vine age as it were. Like you don't need to watch a football game anymore. You you'll see the goals in in 20 second clips a minute yeah. after they've gone in. Like like we live in an age that everything is gifable. Like so you don't watch a pay-per-view for spots. You watch a pay-per-view for storytelling. And NXT is always always delivered on that. And it, 90% of the time, if not more, it gets the storytelling right. And that gives you hope for Triple H. Whatever, whatever, whoever the wrestlers are at the top of the card, at the top of the company, on the main roster, when he has full control, even if they're not the NXT favourites, it's the storytelling element that I have hoped that will change. Yeah, it's, the thing is, it's clearly those formative years of Dusty and Regal that have sort of, they've given it an old school feel of how to tell stories. You know, it's keep it simple. It's all very logical. And even now, you still get logical storylines. You know, Gargano and Chompa being the major one there, that there's that issue that's been building up even if you look it goes as far back as the cruiserweight classic yeah yeah that you know at some point it was going to happen there was going to be a turn and because they are best friends they make the best enemies you had like the best baby face in the company facing the best heel in the company yeah with a crowd that is like there for that storyline invested in that storyline and it's just that you can't ask for a more willing crowd to to go Mm. along with what you plan yeah and to be fair to start with as well because they didn't have the title it meant that other things could happen around it because that's that will probably be one of the only things i would say is a little bit of a downside on nxt is the early years of NXT, there was the main title, there was the women's title, there was the tag title, there was your three major stories, and you'd have a few little bits and pieces underneath. Thanks to Gargano and Chompa, it proved a point of you don't have to have the title as part of that. And then once it got to the point where the title was involved... It made it even more of a of a sort of heightened odds on the story, and it's keeping going as well. I mean, like you know what they're doing now with Vel- Velveteen getting half the crowd to chant, you know, Johnny is a loser, Johnny loser, rather than Johnny wrestling. That like, they actually are going along with this style of. Uh, maybe they're getting a little bit sick of Johnny Gargano now. Maybe we should kind of instigate this tweener character. Um, and they're not afraid to do it as well, you know. This is an awesome video package, by the way, that is going on in the background of our chat. We've got the story behind the main event, Finn defending his NXT title against 
Samoa Joe. The the storyline being we've got a ten year friendship. They're both in NXT at the same time. They won the Dusty the Dusty Classic together as, as tag partners, and Joe wanted a, a tag a, a title shot against Finn, but he claims that Finn put no action towards making it happen, even though he promised him that he'd give him one. So he turned heel and, and, and forced the title shot by attacking Finn, and which led directly into our main event in London. And it's, this is a great video package. It's been about two minutes long, but it's got everything in there. And it's just the simplicity of storytelling effectively. Mm, yeah. I, think, I honestly think that what they could do to improve the whole thing is just do more videos because their video editors are just so oh, I know. bloody good. I mean, as someone who did a little bit of video editing for their job, like what they do is just so awesome. And like, how many times do they kind of set back a storyline by running out of things to do on Raw and going, oh, quick, we need to think of something to do. Let's just do this. And it, it it's awful. It doesn't make sense. It's a snapshot decision and it questions the whole storyline. Just take those out and put in a video, quick little video package about, yep. you know, why does Ronda Rousey hate Nikki Bella? You know, mm. put something together like that and just make fill in the plot points that you might not trust the wrestler to do or you haven't got a creative enough idea to actually do it in a live audience. And if you are concerned with, you know, having people be a bit annoyed that they're losing an hour of their wrestling, well, put on more dark matches mm. you know, where, they, where they can have a bit more fun. But it is, it would make more sense than having just, oh, because we've got back to the point of where we were when Raw and SmackDown were on the same same rosters, but instead it's week to week where it's Guy A versus Guy B. Guy A wins. Guy A versus Guy B. Guy B wins the next week. We'll keep doing this all month until we have a pay-per-view match for no reason at all because we've already seen them exchange wins. This is another thing. How they haven't done more demon on the main roster. This entrance is amazing. Yeah, it has to be said, in NXT when he was doing it, it didn't feel forced. Yes, we knew it was TakeOver so we'd get a demon entrance. But each one was different and was special. Whereas (laughs) the times that they've done it in the Fed, it's always seemed as though it was done just because, oh shit, we should really do the demon thing so we can sell some figures and do some extra money. They've already done it four times, haven't they? In fairness. One was against one was against Summer like pretty much all every SummerSlam, and then it was meant to be Demon versus Sister Abigail, but Sister Abigail got mumps, so she wasn't that unworldly. So I don't know yes. about. Um, wasn't that Pumpkin Balor? Yeah. The thing is, as well in NXT, it wasn't like he puts on the face paint and is suddenly like the Undertaker. Like it was just. Face paint, like it wasn't. He isn't but, a deep, you know. On the main roster, they they tried, like they made it like he he had like fifty matches with Baron Corbin and like lost most of them, and then he puts the paint on and like squashes him, and it's mm. and, like and Baron's like on Raw the next night complaining like oh he's you, like you didn't turn up the demon did and all this. It's just nonsense, like like that's 
it doesn't work. Like, isn't no. it more? Isn't it more war paint? Yeah. Than, yeah. Yes. It should be. It's like, not that I don't. I, don't, it, I, don't, I like that idea and that demon turned up against Corbin and like he was just in, on another, you know, level in terms of it, like kayfabe. He, he entered like Goldberg level of ability. Like when he puts mm. the demon paint on, but then, but then to me, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting like jobbed out to Corbin on the on the back on the reg, but then he just yeah. fancies putting it on for one night. I don't know. It just it just a bit silly. Like, and it it's something that was so cool at this stage. Like, mm. but the thing is, is like I saw the match with him and uh, Havoc. Uh, progress where he did joker devil and that was the thing it was originally it was cultural things and as fun it wasn't done as a oh this brings out super valor as is it sort of done with in the fed and i think you could go back to how we used to do it in new japan and in in the indies where depending on what he's done as his paint, you can have those type of characteristics. It's like when he did Jokey, he was sinister and sort of hardcore because he was going against Jimmy Havoc. You know, when he's done Spider-Man one, he's done lots of sort of jumping and Superman style yeah. landings and superhero poses. You know, I think that would be better than just having this generic demon character but then it's personified by the game if you look at i haven't got this year's but you look at last year's uh 2k game you had normal De finn balor that was 90 but demon finn balor had an overall of 95 so they did them oh, really? as oh he's super powered when he's as a demon oh just Joe is awesome, isn't he? I know, I know it's a gimmick infringement, but just bask in his glory right now. <laughs> <laughs> this was a great rivalry in NXT as well. Yeah. These two was awesome. Well, I, I, I must admit, that. I can't tell you how annoyed I was that Joe won the belt on a house show. It was like, uh, I remember it breaking though, and like, I just thought like the, the video was awesome. Yeah. But it was like, I know why they did it, but, you know, a guy worked, like, he was only meant to be there for six months and just yeah, you know, yeah. put some talent over and, and he just got into shape. He he was just, you know, he's just the man. you know. And I, I, he was the guy I was going to say is probably one of the few NXT, like, one or two guys in NXT that have actually probably gone ahead of where they were probably at in NXT. I mean, he's, like... You know, been the best. He's been the. He had the best match with Lesnar that Lesnar had since, you know, Suplex City kind of became a thing. His promos are awesome. I I just think he's probably the biggest success story they've got in the last. You know, since this time period, anyway, since NXT became a which a is crazy, prop, because... a proper te you know proper brand with mm. big A list stars from the indies, you know. And they also haven't, like, all of it, everything you said is true, and I agree with all of it, but they also haven't done, like, a lot with him. Like, he's, really. He's been injured, actually, quite a lot. Yeah, he has been. Yeah. He's been unlucky. But he's someone who, 
I don't know. Well, obviously they've moved on to AJ Daniel Bryan, but I was very surprised he didn't win the belt from AJ. Mm. I think it's just because I think they um they want AJ to be like the guy for two K, obviously. Yeah. And I got a, I've got a sneaky feeling. It's not I'm not this is not based on anything, but I've got a feeling they want him to break Punk's WWE championship record. Because even though they've done it with Brock and they Yeah, but that's a different like, title though, isn't it? Technically. They kind of merge it though. Like yeah, really, possibly. They they can because it's because it's them. Like they write their own history. Yeah, like, yeah, of course. In the in the history books, they won't mention Punk's record anymore. In their mind, or AJ. That's that's why they uh, gave Thingy a massive title run as well, wasn't it? Like, to get rid of AJ. AJ Lee, yeah. I feel sorry for AJ. I really, do. like she is. Like, can you imagine what she'd be like if she hung around for just another few months and could start having matches with the horsewomen and and that lot? Oh yeah. Then they, I read a, I read a rumor or a report that they they're trying to get her in for a surprise at Evolution. That would that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. It would be one. I don't see it. I hate to say I don't see it either. Just for the obvious reasons, but I, I, I did read that they reached out. But then again, you know, Mister Punk seems to have burnt a lot of the other bridges on both sides now. So. Mm. He's not going to have a great deal of options of where to make money soon. He's just... He's so much like Steve Austin. It's incredible in just the way they think. And unfortunately, though, he's just more of a asshole than Austin. Yeah. <laughs> but he just burns the bridges that, you know, that Austin was at least wise enough to try and reheal after he went kind of off the rails a little bit. So it's not really coming across watching this back here but the particularly must have been just the section i was in was really really pro samoa joe and not at all in like a cheer for the heels smarky way like oh it was just a very pro samoa joe contingent of the arena they really wanted to see him win the belt i suppose there are a lot of people behind him here but it's no chance, but yeah, this was quite a 50 50 split on the crowd. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was, um, was, was, was going to ask, like, how like did Balor's overness compare with Bailey's? But yeah, that's quite interesting. That Joe was as over as Balor, I think. That was my experience of it. But I suppose you, you hear the people closest to you it could just be, yeah, like, where, where I was. It was definitely mixed. You know, you had a certain load that were doing Joe's going to kill you and go old school Joe sort of style chants. But there was also a lot of, of Bala chants as well. Um, though it seemed to, the Bala chants died down during the match, whereas the Joe lot were constant. I mean, that was the difference. Oh, he, a lot well, of Joe chance here as he punches about Finn in the corner. Yeah. Well, he is the best wrestler in the world, as you, as I can probably test you. <laughs> <laughs> is this is he going to be like your Owen Hart in twenty years' time when we're doing the, uh, <laughs> the shows? Yeah, I but I wonder who the Bob will be to. Yeah, uh, uh, they probably with somebody <laughs> out there. Yeah, but th- let's just say that when if we if we ever do 
TNA Ring of Honor in 2004, 2005. Um, I, I might be in, I might have to put some sort of expletive like parental advisory warning on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's awesome. Well, he? That's lovely. Because I, I will admit, I was, I used to watch a lot of TNA, especially that sort of that run of Joe Daniels. Kaz, AJ, when Kaz. they were all fighting over the X Division title. And I, I couldn't give two tosses the fact that like, the main events had Sting and, Le- and Angle Jarrett. and shit like that in. But I would watch it for the tag team division because the tag team division was great with the likes of Beer Money and Team Canada and stuff. Yeah. And the LAX. And oh, LAX. Had... Just... You talk about simple storytelling as well. Like yeah. I know, I know he's not the generation, but that wasn't the angle. Like the storytelling and the the storyline behind Kurt Angle's TNA debut was basically like Joe was just this undefeated monster, and then Angle turned up a pay per view. But they built it up for like a long time. Like Angle was going to debut at a match against Samoa Joe. Like yeah. they didn't. They literally did not do a single angle like the, the with Kurt Angle that... before the show. The only thing they did was when he was unveiled, Joe headbutted him. Right. And that was just like, and we go. And it was just, it was all, it was all in the, the build was so simple. And that was like one of the more, obviously the outcome is maybe slightly controversial depending on who you ask. But uh, I think you had to have Angle win, no matter who, you know. It's a shame, but it's just one of those things where, again, as I said, I'm all for any decision you make unless it's absolutely, you know, Vince Russo style travesty booking. <laughs> but but it's how you follow it up is the key thing. And if they had made Joe well, they kinda did it, I guess. They kind of kept made Joe still a main event style for the two thousand seven, but he's never won the big one. Um and then obviously he beat Kurt in the cage to win his first title, but then after that he was just nothing. So off. Oh. That was in the corner, nice now. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It was when TNA decided to try and be WWF slash WCW light is where they shit the pony and it all went to pot. Mm-hmm. But yep. before that, you know, you did have guys, as I said, like Joe and AJ that were having fucking phenomenal matches. And they were like, in um, 2007, they were actually like links with Lesnar and Goldberg. And it wasn't like, oh, don't be so stupid. It was, oh, actually, that actually sounds like a plausible rumor. You know, that mm. wouldn't even be thought of like in today's industry because they just, they just screwed it up so royally, you know. But it is the fact of, you know, the only competition the Fed has now is from itself with NXT. Mm. Is- well, I mean, I know it's very New Japan heavy, but the uh, Ring of Honor running the Garden the night before Mania next year is it's got to be a bit of a blow. Psychological yeah. blow, but like they don't do any MSG kind of Raw and pay per view shows anymore anyway. So no, so you get the occasional house show there. I think oh, that was nice three or four times a year. It's like I know they're doing NXT uh, on Boxing Day out there All this right. year, which that'll probably be a fun show. 
beautiful a load of image yeah, yeah. doing it. Just crumble the mat. Is I, I I'm not gonna I'll, I will promise I'll stop my loving for Joe eventually, but there's no is, need to. I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on it, but it's, I'm it's also a real a it's a real shame that he didn't get a go with the company in say like 2008 when he was at his his physical peak. How old is he now? Yeah, like he's got... he's, he's he's in his late 30s, early 40s, I think. Yeah, he... it's the same with AJ. Like, yeah, I know. AJ's, I... AJ's 40. Well, I remember when because I was at the Rev Pro show. Um, was actually for the podcast a few of the podcast guys back in when must that have been January 2016 so the month after this is that right when AJ cut the promo and the crowd started chanting Royal Rumble at him and it was his last yeah. like, indie appearance before the before the Rumble it was like, like the weekend before the Rumble or something like that and uh, like I remember then he it was like quite well known like had a, he had a really really bad back like his back was in awful shape like he'd missed like a big new japan event in like the november because of how bad his back was and like he didn't do like, the december tour either did he, he no. sort of basically binned out the last two months because he was going to do wrestle kingdom and got, that was got, about it got through the dome and then it was like oh he's going to wwe it was just like so out of nowhere like how is he going to last on that schedule at his age like with what his body's yeah. been through and he hasn't I don't even, even, I don't think he's, he's even had an injury has he no and he's but like 2016 is one of the greatest years ever for a single wrestler that he oh had. yeah like, oh he, he's been sensational yeah he, he's another one they could have, they could have had both these guys a decade ago yeah but they wouldn't like even in two thousand and five. They probably would have, they would have made him go on the juice, you know. And <laughs> yeah. it would have, you know, it long term, he's probably done the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Joe, though, I'm not so sure because sure, again, it's just a, it's just such a size thing because uh, he was never going to be getting any similar or in a better shape. You know what I mean? But and mm. I think his peak. Yeah, obviously he's not he's nowhere close to what he was in two thousand and five, two thousand and six sort of time and yeah, it's a shame, but like I'm not gonna like if you told me two thousand and thirteen that oh yeah, Samoa Joe's gonna be fighting Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and you know, main events in pay per views and you know, being the best talker arguably this year as well for for, for the company. Then, in 20, you tell twenty thirteen you that one of the main events, or well, what well, I say, one of the main events, one of the top matches at, at SummerSlam would have been AJ Styles defending the WWE title against Samoa Joe. Yeah, it's <laughs> insane, isn't it? Yeah, it would have been it. You're smoking the hopium. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're hoping that we're we're getting that. Yeah, don't be silly. I thought that both of these, both of them, Roman would have had Reigns a feeling. Gone, so Finn, do you think? Bring it back to Finn. Do we have to? <laughs> I'm really enjoying the Samoa Joe talk. <laughs> well, okay. We'll bring it back from Finn, uh, from AJ to, to Finn. Yeah. Do you think he could have achieved more if it, if it weren't for that the injury? How do you think it would I have think, out for him? Despite I that, think he would have had a bigger run. Oh, we go. He would have had a bigger run with the title, obviously. Um, yeah. I still think he'd be where he is now. 
that Vince would like, because obviously, you know, he's ripped his muscles. You know, he is, other than he's a bit on the smaller side, he is the type of guy that Vince likes, but oh, I don't man. know what it is. But so the, only other, the only other thing working violated. against Finn, though, is that he just doesn't have any mic skills. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even even Roman and Seth now have kind of got to the level where they can do a decent promo. Finn, I still think, is really hokey with his, then, with his talk. But you, obviously, you can still do... You can still be an amazing act because he obviously was pushed to the moon when he got up, but... It's, it's the thing, though, I think, with, with Finn, what would have been sensible is, because obviously they were whole, doing this whole Bala Club thing, would have been put Gallows and Anderson with him yeah. and let them be the mouthpiece and you, let you them be You could even themselves. put AJ with him. You mm. could have done that. Yeah, potentially. You could have just done a, a faction, a proper... Club ripoff. I just I mean, don't think they would have. They would have AJ been able anyway. to get away with it, though, would they? Well, they if basically they're... had the club, which was AJ Gallows and Anderson. They did all the signatures, like all the poses, all the hand gestures. And they just called them the club. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here we go, Muscle Buster. So... Well, they've banned no. that move now, haven't they? Yeah, he he did it because that was the move that. I don't know Fuck what Tyson up. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what caused the Tyson Kidd injury. But then he did it again for a quite a while after that. He went back to it, and now it's. Well, gone. it's because Tyson said that he didn't want it banned, wasn't he? Because it was literally a, it was freak, a complete freak. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't something that had gone wrong with the move necessarily, has it? It was just a yeah, an unbelievably unfortunate coincidence. And it's just a shame that again, like it's the same with Jericho. When you've got a submission as your finisher, but you don't have that impact finisher like you know the RKO or the yeah. end of days, that it's quite a you either have to beat them quickly or it's a really long drawn out sort of way of doing it. And I think mm. you, you need to have some kind of impact move to to have a backup plan. Yeah, I agree. You're not going to beat everyone by submission in no. in modern day WWE. People, no, he did beat, um, I'm pretty sure he beat Roman Reigns once with a with the Urunagi. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Clean <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, nice. It's, it's there we go. This, Speaking this, of submissions, <laughs> you don't get in the main roster as much is basically just lads lumping each other which is obviously a very Japanese thing that's obviously why these two do it is because they did it in Japan and in Ring of Honor you know mm. I must have like he's Bala and Nakamura in particular I just don't think their style is going to work you know just doesn't work as well for the company just because it's mm. like strong style is works in New Japan because everyone's doing it and it's just like okay whoever hits hardest is the winner but because it's sports entertainment it just doesn't oh. work as well yeah. sort of thing it's, I I do really feel sorry for Nakamura because he was the biggest star outside of the WF 
before he turned up. In NXT, he was a god. You know, he was having the best matches that run with him and Owens was amazing. That his opening match when he turned up with Sami Zayn and had a fucking instant classic. Yeah, that was yeah, a that's classic match. It was one and of the best then, in NXT. Ever and had. then they shit the boat when they took him up and have done nothing with him. It was the and gender it, feud, wasn't it? The the gender experiment completely because. I you think the gender like experiment has fucked up a lot of people. To be fair, and yeah, it has completely. Like they have, they have like, they they haven't just given up with him. They have like tried to erase him from yeah history, <laughs> which is the most predictable outcome to that ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, Smack, like this is like yeah. the the perfect thing about the brand split is like, if you have one title. It's going to be your Braun Strowman's, your Brock Lesnar's, your Roman Reigns. But you've got a mm. brand split and you've got a SmackDown. That gives somewhere for AJ, Nakamura, and Samoa Joe to win and hold the championship belts. Oh. Mm. And they, like the gender experiment completely took that out of the way for what, the best part of a year? Yeah. Although, said, yeah, Nakamura could have had a bit of a run with the belt. Because they went from gender straight into AJ. Yeah. And they could have. The worst thing was they Nakamura do. beat them, and then AJ win the belt at Mania off of Nakamura. Yeah, yeah, could have done that. And it, but, it played out the exact same way, except Nakamura would have had a three-month reign cool. heading into Mania. But then when, when they had the the Rumble winners be Asuka and thing, I was like, oh, they're actually going to have a Japanese person as the guy with the main belt and then they uh, shit on both of them. Yeah. Well, uh, like Nakamura didn't do himself any favours though with that WrestleMania match though. No, definitely not. No. Well, there you go. That is... Finn Balor with a coup de gravitate. Which again, surprise outcome for me. I thought they're live in the arena. I thought we were going to see a title change. Yeah, maybe. No, that that was a really great main event. It was a really good match. Really good match. It was. And it's definitely a show that was like the experience watching it live was. When you rank this compared to other takeovers, it's probably in terms of match quality one of the weaker ones. It'd be fair to say. There's a lot. Like everything's solid. There's nothing bad. The main event was exceptional. But it's a very, it's a very good seven, seven and a half out of ten show. Yeah, but you've like, got a lot of takeovers that are nines. Yeah, and by takeover standards, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's it was good, but not great. And that's our closing shot of the show. Bella with the belt. Bella with the belt, and an appreciative London crowd with two of the three people in this room, hopefully giving him the round of applause he deserves. Very much. I, so. I was very much so, and uh, enjoying everything that I'd seen so far. And then I had Sami Zayn come out, which I will admit I did lose my shit when Sami came out. Yeah. Said, it was, I, mean, I was I was very much uh, a few sheets to the wind. In the, uh, say. in the post-show match, Sami took on Ty Dillinger. <laughs> so, gentlemen, it has been wonderful rewatching NXT Takeover, even if you know at some points of it, I didn't get to see it all because of. Awful connections to the internet. <laughs> so, until next time, enjoy. Goodbye.